0: Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy.
1: But for most people, the problem is not really... It's not that keto isn't working. It's not that carnivore isn't working. It's that their relationship with food is dysfunctional, and they don't stay strict keto. They don't stay strict carnivore. Um, they, you know, quote, fall off the wagon once a week. You know, some people, or some people put planned cheats in, <laughs> in there because they can't. They're so emotionally attached to carbs that they can't picture life you know, without them. And so they sabotage themselves by by not staying on plan. And I know, you know, people think, oh, well, once a week's not going to hurt. But if you are just starting, Mm -hmm. well, you know, when people first start, like it takes several days for ketosis to occur. And ketosis is not the same thing as being fat adapted. So if you start out, This is what I think people don't understand. If you start out and it takes you four to six days to get into ketosis, you get into ketosis and then you're like, bam, here's my first cheat meal because I'm going to cheat every Sunday. And then you throw yourself out. Then it's going to take you several days to get back in. So you're lucky if you're in ketosis one or two days a week and you're not going to get fat adapted that way. So you're just like spinning your wheels. And so nothing, you know, nothing happens for them. And then they're like, well, keto didn't work for me. Or Cardboard didn't work for me, right. but you can't really say that that's what you were doing because you are including carbs and they wreak havoc, especially if you are really overweight and severely insulin resistant. It's not going to do you any favors to, to have cheat days or carb ups.
0: Right. I totally agree. I mean, um, you know, we really it always goes back to that no diet is going to fix your relationship right. with food. Right. And you know, I think this is a testament, right, this whole pandemic, and us being stressed out, uh, we watch the news or, you know, anything that's going on. And it's it's scary, it's putting us in this chronic stress state, and we're probably pumping out cortisol, which then will drive our desire to eat sugar, right? Um, Right. And so a lot of people are kind of falling off the wagon, if you want to call it that, because, you know, it's, uh, well, this is a state of survival kind of thought process. And then they go back to comforting with sugar. um, And it shows that, you know, maybe all the work hasn't been done. Even if you were a carnivore for months and months and months, um, we really need to address that mental aspect of, food addiction and turning to food to cope, because you can remove all the sugar, but then the mental aspect will always be there. So when we have something like a pandemic, or just something that's really high stress in our lives, we need to have something else in place that we will no longer turn to food. Um, Right.
1: There's, there seems to be this myth. I see it in this on social media all the time that, you know, all but all you have to do is cut the carbs out. If you go keto or better yet, if you're carnivore, bam, no more cravings and you're fixed. But that is not true. Like I see people what I like when they post stuff, I, I would describe it as a bit like people are binging on meat. They're, they're eating a lot more meat than they likely need. Um, and, I, so it's not true that you, that carbs are the only thing that people are addicted to or binge on. There's that emotional, maybe carbs are the physical, you know, you're going to get physical cravings from carbs, but if you have an emotionally, you know, uh, uh, emotional attachment to food and you seek out, you eat for comfort and soothing, you can binge on meat too. Like there are people that, that, that do it. So it's just you know, it's, it's not true that just changing what you eat will fix everything. You've got to like, look to, well, why, why did you get into this position in the first place? How, like, how did I become 260 pounds? I became 260 pounds because I was binging all the time. I was addicted to sugar, but it wasn't just carbs that I overate. I would over, you know, I overate anything, um, whatever was you know available. So, those, the reasons why we turn to food are what needs to be addressed. And if those are never addressed, then you just continue on the roller coaster, whether you're, you know, carnivore or not. And, uh, you know, I think people don't, it's hard for people to even identify like what, what's, you know, going on. Um, but you know, that, that has to be, you have, you have to look at the reason why people think that, food, you know, they're like, I'm an emotional eater. And they really do think food makes them feel better. But it doesn't. It really doesn't. The only thing they're getting is that in the moment, it tastes good. But before they're even done doing what they're doing their own guilt, like they're already attacking themselves with guilt. They're already feeling bad. They're already plotting for they're starting over and they're still eating. Um, So it's this endless, you know, you stay in that endless cycle,
0: right? I mean, it's just this, you know we we find our body, our minds um, we try to find ways to kind of autopilot everything because we only have a finite amount of decision making energy in our lives right and so every day, once we find a habit and it kind of or once we find an action like a reward that basically benefits us, Um, maybe it's the release of dopamine. And then we're like, Oh, that was a good reward, I'm going to remember it. And then I'm going to keep at it whenever that kind of cue occurs, or that situation occurs. And so we use that with food, right? So when we're young, we cry, then we're given a lollipop, or we're given ice cream, or we're given breast milk, even. Um, And then as we grow, we just always celebrate or we comfort with food. And so yes, we can kind of remove that food addiction in physically from sugar, but there's still the emotional side, which most people don't address because then what happens, even if you're a carnivore for a year and a stressful time hits, what if your loved one dies, right? Right. What if something that is where it puts you in a highly emotional state and you're in the fight or flight mode, your mind will then autopilot to use whatever mechanism or habit that you use to comfort and that'll end up being food. And so if you don't have the proper mechanisms in place, then when you're highly stressed out, your sound mind can't be like, no, don't eat sugar. You're just going to be like, I don't care right now. Right. And then just go for it. Um, and whatever it is. And I think, you know, as people are doing carnivore longer than just the veteran carnivores, we're seeing it right. So people are binging off of cheese, right. People are binging mm-hmm. off of uh, deli meats and sausages. Like, for me, I cut out dairy because I was like, Okay, I'm going to try to be healthier. And I'm going to cut out dairy. And I cut it out for five months, I thought, maybe I'll lose some weight. But what I noticed is instead of snacking on the dairy, I started eating pork rinds, uh, (laughs) and other sausages and beef jerkies and deli meats. And, and I didn't lose any weight because I replaced one junkie kind of, you know, snacking, emotional eating for another and then, um, but I've never removed all of that, right? Where it's only meals. Um, but I bet you I would do it even in that scenario, right? And maybe I'd eat more in one sitting. I don't know. But um, what I've, it's just time and time again, yes, you can remove the major culprits, but without changing the mental state and finding another kind of um, habit or action you could use when you're in these fight or flight states, you're gonna always end up turning back to food because we need something to cope, but you have to figure out what that kind of thing will be for you. Like, what did you use? Like, what have you used to kind of, you know, when you're highly stressed and you used to eat, like, what do you do now? So what I do
1: now is different than like in the beginning, but like I, you know, in the beginning there were certain things, sacrifices I had to to make. Like one of my, you know, when I work with clients, we talk about, you know, danger zones, uh, uh, another thing that people call them triggers. Like what are your triggers? What are your danger zones? For me, one of my biggest danger zones was nighttime in front of the TV Um, that was, everybody would go to bed and it was time for me to like turn on the DVR, watch general hospital and catch up on like all my shows. Right. So that was my binge time. And in order for, and and, like, it was like, that was the thing, like every night that was my routine. So when I started keto and I would sit down in front of the TV at night, it would like make me crazy. Like, you know, first I would like, just like do keto snacks. But then I realized, like, this is not going to work. I can't be eating at 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I actually gave up TV for over two years. I stopped watching TV. I started reading instead because when I was, you know, I don't know, there was something different. Like, I felt in front of the TV, I felt compelled to eat. Whereas when I'm reading a book, you know, food didn't occur to me. So, I, I, you know, I did things like that. I gave up TV. I also would, like, play, you know, mental games with myself like the kitchen was closed I would close down the kitchen at night and I had to like think of it like you know if I had a let's say I had a a craving for something at my favorite restaurant and I get in my car and I drive to the restaurant it's closed it's locked the lights are out obviously I'm not getting that thing right so I just have to turn around and go back home so I you know, did this mental thing of okay, well, my kitchen is closed, just like if a restaurant was closed. I'm not getting in there, even if there is something in there that I want, I can't have it now. If I still want it tomorrow, I can go in when the kitchen is open and get it. Um, I also would like, you know, I lived in, you know, at P- everybody in my house is low carb now, but six years ago they were not. And I would open my pantry and there'd be like six boxes of cereal and Pop Tarts and Oreos and like, you know, all the crap that we had in our house. And so I would have to mentally, you know, I'd open the pantry door and I'd have to mentally categorize everything. Okay. That food belongs to Brett and Nolan and Bradley. That's not Mary's food. So like I just made it. So it wasn't even mine and it wasn't an an option. Um, But those are just like temporary strategies The in the big picture, what we have to do is like, okay, why, why do I want to eat that? And what is it I believe it's going to do for me? So if, if I think, you know, so like if I've had a stressful day and I think the food is going to make me feel better, I have to like look at the reality of that. Okay, is eating the food going to make my stressful day disappear? Does it make it so that it didn't happen? No. And when I eat the food, what's going to happen in the aftermath? Well, I'm going to feel even more stressed because now I'm going to be pissed at myself. That I went off plan again, and I'm never going to lose the weight, and my blood sugar is never going to go down. I'm, you know my health is not going to improve if, if this is how I handle it. So if I'm stressed, what do I need I, if food is not going to fix it, what, is, what can help my stress? Um, maybe calling a friend, maybe meditating or getting a massage or a pedic- doing something where I get to relax, but food is not going to ham- fix my stress problem. Or if I'm, um, say someone's lonely, food isn't going to make you less lonely. It doesn't make, you know, it's not going to make you less lonely. If we're lonely, what we need is connection with somebody. So that's the answer, you know. Um, If we're tired, oh, I'm just too tired to like do anything. I'm just going to eat whatever. Well, if we're tired, food is not what we need. Food doesn't fix tiredness rest fix tiredness so if we're tired the answer is not to eat it's to go get rest so we just have to like learn to identify like what is the real problem um you know food is not the go to food is not the answer for everything there's only one problem that food fixes and that's true hunger
0: yes and that's so good i think um you know going to your tv thing it makes a lot of sense and it's so smart that you cut out tv because there's a thing of pairing. So our minds are, you know, we connecting. So like if you're used to working and then like snacking on something, then when you start working, you want that snack, right? It's kind of like the Pavlov's the bell and the dog um, um, sound thing. And so it makes sense that you just cut out the TV. And if you cut out the TV, then your chances of snacking diminish, at least while you're kind of getting a stronger foothold on, you know, just removing your relationship with food and and emotionally. Um, And then it makes sense what you're saying that you know initially you have these kind of stop breaks in place just while you're getting stronger and you know the longer you don't fall into a habit of you know using food as an emotional um, tool then the longer it it slowly will get easier and so then you the longer process is really to start you know questioning why you're even turning to food right so right those are the smart things to do and I think those are great tips to get us you know on the right path it's just you know, I I really think that people aren't putting enough effort into being more mindful about this food, you know, they're just a lot of times, I get so many um, comments about or just, you know, questions of, oh, I'm not addicted to food, or I don't have that relationship with food, like, just tell me how to do the carnivore diet. And it's Uh like, there's something there that you're wanting to eat carnivore, right? So maybe it's not a full blown out disordered eating. But I think everyone has levels of, you know, using food as a coping mechanism. I mean, if you are having a stressful day, and you're like, I just want to go grab some beers, like, that can be it too, right? It's just right, people need to figure that out. Um, and it's just, you know, I think the process is starting, and people are becoming more aware. But I mean, definitely people, it's, it's hard work. But it's, I mean, that's how you're going to cure long term. And it looks like you're there, you know, like, you don't right. even think about food when you're stressed, you do all mm-hmm. the other things. And yeah, you know, like, I wouldn't even say I'm 100% there where you are. And I would love to and it's just taking steps, right? Um, I mean, like, even when this pandemic first started, um, I remember just like I grabbed a diet soda, which I never do. And then like, and then I had like some sugar free gum. And then I had a few nuts. And I remember, I just did not feel well the next day, immediately, I had back lower back pain when I woke up. And I'm like, this is exactly why I stay away because I feel swollen. Um And it's just, it's getting to the point of like abject misery. So now I know, because my household does have some junky foods because of my husband and then, but if I ever touch it the next day of how bad I feel, it's getting to the point that it's not worth it. And, right. you know, it, but it's, you have to get there and be aware of that to even understand, I think you just have to be more mindful. I think that's right. how, because if you're not, then I would not have attributed all those feelings to the food, you know, and now it's just that kind of comforting things of food is now turning into this, oh, I know if I eat that, I'm going to feel like this, this and this. And it's just, it's not worth it anymore.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Like, I like having like, the, the free You know, I call it food freedom. And you know, I like being food sober, but we never arrive, we don't get to this place of like, like, I don't do sobriety perfectly. And my version of, you know, going off, plan during this whole stay at home thing is I stopped doing the extended fasting. There was really no reason for me not to, but that because I'm not perfect. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, it wasn't like, you know, some people went off keto, some people went off carnivore and went keto. Some people, you know, and my version is, okay, I'm just going to do intermittent fasting instead of my extended fast, you know, like, so like always, you know, something, um, you know, I, but you know, we don't No, nobody like does it, you know, perfectly, but I think that we all like have room for improvement. And as far as like, and there's definitely a, um, a spectrum of eating disorder, like some people are very mild and some people very severe, but I think even the general in, in general, like the average thin person who is generally healthy has, some level of dysfunction with food. And the biggest example that I can think of is that, you know, most people don't really know what real hunger is. We only know what cravings are and we don't know what real hunger is because society has trained us to eat by a clock. So most everybody like thinks of, you know, hunger in terms of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you know, when you go to a restaurant in normal times, right? If you go to a restaurant at five or six o'clock, how many people are there? Like, that's dinner time. But is everybody really always hungry at the same times every day? I mean, are we supposed to believe that everybody in the world is hungry at eight, noon, and five? You know, but that's something we've been trained to do. Whereas, you know, you learn through eating real food and following carnivore and keto that if you just listen to your body. And you know when your hunger signaling gets fixed, that our hunger is cyclical. And most days we're really only going to eat twice. Maybe other days we do eat three or four times because our hormones have shifted or we were more active or something. But we, in general, most people don't eat the same exact way every single day based on their hunger being the same time. Every day, if we were to listen to our bodies, we
0: would find that our hunger is very cyclical. I think they came up with that kind of eating schedule because um, it was supposed to follow like the farmers and right. their schedule. Yeah, <laughs> and, and when I mean, people
1: started going to work in school, like it was set up for you know that yes. reason. It's but funny. the other another example is like when we when you travel, right? We get on the airplane and they hand out snacks. Like I've never seen somebody turn down snacks. Like I'm, I'm always the one like in my row or whatever. Like I'm the one not taking the snacks and they always say, are you sure? Yes. I'm, like, I'm sure I don't want them, but everybody takes them. Does everybody on that plane at that moment, they're hungry. And so they eat it. No, they're just, they take it and they eat it because it's being handed out. We're trained
0: to take it and eat it. That's so funny because I thought the same thing. I was like, it's so weird. Like we, sometimes the flights were only an hour to two hours and it's like, Is the process of getting on the plane so difficult that you're so hungry that you have to have a snack within, you know, that short amount of time? And you're right, everyone gets the snacks, and then they're eating it as if they are famished. Yeah, so interesting, we are wired to eat. And then, you know, we also mimic what other people are doing. Uh, One thing I want to bring up is, you know, what you said, if you know, no one's perfect. And um, James Clear talks about that in his Atomic Habits book, where it's okay if we fall once, just don't make it a repeated um, kind of falling. So, you know, the first day of falling is just make sure the next day you get up because each day you, I guess, regress, um, the exponential amount of kind of losing that momentum becomes much stronger. And so you don't want it to be like, well, I cheated today, so I'm going to cheat tomorrow and I'll just start on Monday because that like each additional day becomes a bigger and bigger obstacle to get back on your feet. So right. I think we need to have grace and know that, you know, we fall and we're not perfect. I mean, I even had nuts, you know, this in the last month and a half, and I felt terrible. Um, and you know, I preach that that's probably of all the cars are one of the more worst ones to eat because of the all the phytate lectins and all that. But yeah, I mean, it's, right. I'm I'm human though, right? You know, where where can people find you? And where, where can they find you um, about coaching? So the website
1: is com, um, and I do one-on-one coaching, and then also Coach Jessica and I do an eight-week food addiction and recovery group. Um, A new one starts like every four to five weeks, and then I can be found on Instagram and Facebook at KetoMary71.
0: Okay, and I'll link to everything in the show notes. Well, thank you again for your time. You know, you're always so wonderful to have on. You always have so much good information, especially about, you know, just, healing from our food addictions, which I think we all have it to some degree, right? It's yeah. no diet is going to heal that. And I think you're such a wealth of wisdom in terms of that. And you have walked that walk. So well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Bye. All right, guys, I hope this video has helped you guys and just allowed you to know that sometimes we need to put in a little extra work and tweaking to find the right optimal diet for us carnivore is a healing diet and it proves to have so many benefits but sometimes we need to just optimize it to work the best way for us all right guys you know the drill make sure to eat a lot of meat take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to take care bye